CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. It's Friday, March 10th, and thank you for joining us for another edition of The Ben Jarofsky Show. On today's show, as we do every Friday, Oh What a Week continues, and the return of comedian extraordinaire Rachel Jarofsky. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what's going on with the CTA, where the best places are to find that uh, green stuff if you're looking for it. It's all at ChicagoReader.com. You want to find it, you want to check it out. Oh, and more stuff from Ben Jarofsky, also available at ChicagoReader.com. Just add a forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V is in victory, S-K-Y. <laughs> Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Trash Talk Endorsement Friday, and here's why. Well, first of all, it's time for another Oh, What a Week, because it is Friday. And my distinguished guest is none other than the great comedian Rachel Jarofsky, otherwise known as Ray J.K. Thray. I don't just made that up. <laughs> Not quite, almost. That was your dyslexia, Dad. It's okay. Otherwise known as my daughter. You know, Rach, uh, we got to promote your show. You got a big time show coming up in the city of Chicago uh, in a week. And uh, so that's a tease. We're going to promote the show. I think there's another time. March 18th, I'll just say everybody that's uh, we're going to promote it. So we're going to go through the news. Um, since uh, Dr. D, I don't know, folks, if any of you know this, since Dr. D moved on to bigger, better things, uh, every oh what a week I bring in a different person. I try to get someone like a comedian, like Rachel or Pat Whalen. Uh, Rachel Hinton last week killed it uh, for a uh, journalist. KG uh, Kelly Garcia, I'm going to bring her on. So like, like a mix of journalists and uh, comedians uh, to talk about um, you know the week of news uh, that just went down, uh, whatever's on our minds. Uh, and so I'm going to just start off. Uh, with uh, something that's going on in my life, uh, Rachel. Uh, and uh, this has to do with trash talking mm. uh, and trash talking and endorsements in the Chicago mayoral race. So mm-hmm. follow me on this. Uh, I am not naming any names and I do not want any names to be mentioned. Okay. Uh, but I have a very good source in the Paul Vallis campaign. People may be stunned to know about this, but it's true. I have a very good source in the Paul Vallis campaign. In those old days, even with Daily, there was like one person who would talk to me. You know, I was on the outs. Most of the official daily people would never talk to me. They would not respond to my phone calls. It was like I didn't exist uh, because they despised what I was writing. Right. Uh, and so their way to deal with it was either uh, at one point they actually like sort of threatened you. But that's a whole other story. Oh, I remember get. that. Remember yeah, that, that one? So yeah. weird. Yeah. So when weird and twisted. Yep. When you were in high school. So a lot of twisted, weird stuff going on with those daily people. Uh, and, uh, but mostly they just ignore me, but there would be like one person who would talk to me and then they would kind of roll their eyes. Like, you're so weird. Why don't you just quit this lefty stuff and just become one of us? You can make so much more money. I'd be like, yeah, you raise a good point there. Uh, and, uh, but I never did. Uh, but I have a source. Uh, and so every day this source will, uh, give me updates on the latest endorsements from Paul Vallis. And it's all like trash talking. Because the essential point of uh, telling me, revealing the um, endorsements is to like undercut the Brandon Johnson people, undercut the sense that Brandon Johnson could possibly win. Just to convey this notion that it's inevitable. You cannot fight City Hall. You cannot fight the dailies. You cannot beat the all-powerful man. Sure, sure. Okay? So that's, that's kind of the point of it. And so down through the week, boom. Willie Wilson's going to be supporting uh, uh, Paul Vallis any day now. And sure enough, Willie Wilson uh, supported uh, 
uh, Paul Ballas, Rod Sawyer, Alderman Rod Sawyer, former mayoral candidate, uh, son of Eugene Sawyer, who'll be endorsing Paul Ballas. And sure enough, uh, Rod Sawyer announced he was uh, endorsing uh, uh, Paul Ballas. And then Walter Burnett. Oh, no, the big one, Jesse White, Secretary of State Jesse Ooh. White. He'll be endorsing <laughs> Tough Paul one. You know, it's like it. And they would love that one because like, pretty much everybody in Chicago knows who Jesse White is, you know, and I think most people have like a positive view of Jesse White. So mm -hmm. it's sort of like, hey, if Jesse White says Paul Ballas is OK, then first of all, the, the main signal is the white people. Oh, I guess I, I shouldn't feel guilty about voting uh, for Paul Ballas. So right. if uh, I think that's how that worked. And then right after that. Uh, Walter Burnett, Alderman Walter Burnett, uh, longtime alderman of the 27th Ward. Uh, my, my source, hey, don't Walter Burnett's about to and to endorse Paul Vallis. And sure enough, Walter Burnett endorsed Paul Vallis. So it's like boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, where are the uh where the Brandon endorsements? Where where are the Brandon endorsements? And all, all my friends, like the, the journalists, you know, uh who just live in the very moment are like. Ben, then they turn to me. Like, I have something <laughs> to do it. Ben, what? Okay. <laughs> this is what you get when you're a lefty uh, writer in Chicago. You're like held accountable for everything the, the lefties do. So they'll be like, hey, Ben, uh, Paul Vallis got uh, uh, Jesse White's endorsement and Willie Wilson's endorsement and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Burnett's endorsement. Where's your endorsements? Like, <laughs> you Other... don't endorse. You famously don't endorse. <laughs> no, I don't endorse. I endorse him. First of all, who would want my endorsement? That's number one. Number two, uh-uh. No, no. And then there's like these tax reasons, like with the reader right now, you're not allowed to endorse. I never endorsed anyway. By the way, I did this this column, Rach, where I talked about how I wasn't going to endorse, and I got a uh, response from a guy named Charlie Myerson. Shout out, Charlie Myerson. Uh, he writes a newsletter on uh, what's uh, a daily newsletter and what's the what's the news of the day? Uh, and uh, so he won't pay. This guy's a journalist. He's like, well, I don't see any problems with you endorsing. Oh, Charlie, you're a journalist. You're not a lawyer. I'm not taking advice from you, okay? But thanks for writing. <laughs> Some guy weighs in. Uh, you can endorse. Yeah, you're going to represent me, Charlie? Uh, no, you're like <laughs> obsessed with not endorsing. Yes. I never, never have. Remember the old days in the 90s and the O's? Like, you guys would be like, Dad, who are you going to vote for? Don't tell anybody, but I'll tell you. Uh, All right. So, uh, anyway, so finally, Brandon Johnson's got some endorsements. Oh, so Jan Schakowsky, Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky, uh, endorsed uh, Brandon Johnson's campaign. The announcement was made uh, Thursday. Uh, and this is an interesting one. Uh, Jan Schakowsky uh, grew up on the north side of Chicago, proud graduate of Sullivan High School. People may not know that. That's the kind of thing I would know. Mm -hmm, uh, she got sure. her start in Rogers Park as a uh, consumer advocate, kind of thing nobody would know except for me. Right. Uh, and uh, at some point, she moved to Evanston, my hometown, Evanston. I know where she lives. I could see it in my mind's eye. In fact, I have driven past that house so many times, Rachel, with you in the car. And I'll always go by and go, Rachel, that's where Jan Schakowsky lives. And you'll like be talking to your friends. This is in the O's when you were a kid. Yeah, this or, is we're talking about something that maybe happened 15, <laughs> more than 15 years ago. You're talking about that like it happened yesterday. I'm like, I don't think I've been to Evanston since like 2018. <laughs> it would be the old days. You'd be in the back of the car with your friends. So but like when I when you drive, uh your daughter or your son around when they're little, they sit in the back when they're with their friends, they sit in the back, you know, and you're the chauffeur just driving them around. Uh, so I'd be going like, let's say you'd be in the back with Brazil. Let's say we'll just make it up. Or Steli, shout out Steli. Shout out Brazil. Uh, I'd be like, hey, girls, that's where Jan Schakowsky lives. And you'd be like, huh, what? <laughs> right. Life with me is your father. So here's the significance of Jan Schakowsky. So she uh, eventually she moved to Evans, as I said, and she became, uh, she was elected congresswoman uh, when Sydney Yates stepped down. And that district used to be in the north side of Chicago. But with redistricting, it, they moved it further and further north. I am not even, there may be a sliver of the ninth. I haven't looked at the latest map uh, in Chicago. But that name, that Chikowski name, I don't know how much of the ninth congressional is still in Chicago. One of our listeners will know and they'll let me know. I don't have a map in front of me. 
most of it is in Evanston or Skokie, uh, on the maybe in the Wilmette. But the point is that Schakowsky name means something on the north side of Chicago. So that is a significant pickup for Brandon Johnson because Jan Schakowsky, here's the thing you should understand, ladies and gentlemen. Jan Schakowsky represents, quote unquote, progressive Democratic politics in Congress. So progressive Democratic politics in Congress are different than progressive Democratic politics in Chicago. Progressive Democratic politics in Chicago is a struggle against like it's like a struggle against as i always say go back to my 70s the man and like when you're a progressive democrat in congress you like need the man support sure and this is part of an ongoing debate we have on the show when we're not so focused on local politics my lefty listeners rachel will give me chide me because i'm very sympathetic to nancy pelosi i always thought nancy well, you pelosi. love nancy pelosi <laughs> When her man got his ass whooped, you were like about to send flowers. <laughs> I was upset when when her husband was beat up. It is true. I was upset. I was very and I was very upset by the Republican response. I admit it. Now you see Pelosi as like a real trailblazer, which I mean, I guess she is. But I, you, yeah, you love Pelosi. All right. Before we go, uh, I go back to Shikowski. Let me ask you this. So I got uh, heat for this. So when Nancy Pelosi had her showdown, I'm writing down, I'm coming back to Schakowsky, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not forgetting that. Let's go back to the poll. I needed to get this from you, Rach. Okay. So Nancy Pelosi had her showdown with Trump. This is when I was loving Pelosi big time. And all right. my lefty friends were giving me grief. Ben, she undercut this progressive legislation. Ben, she undercut that progressive legislation. Ben, she's just a damn. I don't know why you like her so much. She's like Rom and heels. That's what they would tell me. I'm like, first, I don't think that's true. And but whatever. Anyway. Uh, I've never seen Rom take a strong stand uh, on behalf of progressive anything ever. So I think that's unfair to Nancy Pelosi. But she had this showdown with Trump. And it, this was like a couple, I forget what, 2019. I forget when it was. But it was sh- uh, Pelosi stood up. She was the only woman in the room. She stood up and she like just got in his face. And I think she pointed a finger at him. And then she walked out of the White House and she was dressed like total. She had that Nancy Pelosi look, Rach, with that red. You know how she would like be totally stylized? Her kente like, cloth. You were so proud of her for wearing that kente cloth. <laughs> no, that was a different one. But you're like, it took a lot. It took a lot for Nancy to put on the kente. <laughs> yeah. So, Rach, when I went with that, I was like, oh, my God, she was just stylized and dressed so cool. And she looked so great. I got crit- criticized from some of my lefty listeners that I was being sexist because I would not opine on how a man is dressed. Okay. Okay. I think you would actually. You absolutely would. No, thank you for t- you would. <laughs> what would I say? He's got. He looks. He's got great. Looks really stylish. That's a good looking guy. It's a good looking guy. He's really got his look together. I want to get my look together like that. Why can't? Why can't I get my look together like that? You know, it's like you, Samuel L. Jackson in a Kangol hat. You know what I mean? I disagree with that. I feel like if there was like uh, a, a male speaker of the House or even just congressperson who somehow aesthetically set himself apart, uh, you would definitely give him credit. Yeah, I'd be loving him. Could you imagine if Charles Schumer went into that meeting with a Kangol hat? Like Samuel Jackson. So random. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ducks and humor in a Kangle hat. Yeah. I'd be going crazy. That's that's what he <laughs> Nancy Pelosi Schumer in a Kangle hat and Nancy Pelosi in a Kente cloth, you know? Oh my god. Um, I'm having Jackie Brown flashbacks right now, one of the greatest movies ever made. And I had a period where I was wearing a Kangle hat. I go, ah, it's just not my look. Uh, and I went back you to the You tried it though. You definitely tried, tried it. it. Because I was just feeling that vibe from Quentin Tarantino and uh, uh, and Jackie Brown uh, and um, uh, Pam Greer. Anyway, so all right, so back. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm a uh, Jan Schakowsky kind of has a Nancy Pelosi vibe to her, and as such, she doesn't get involved in real local political struggles. She stays out of. I don't, can't recall her walking with the teachers when they went on strike because that would have forced her, uh, forced her into a confrontation with Rom. I can't like never. She didn't oppose this. She was a part of the Olympic, supporting the Olympic. You know, when you're a congressperson from Chicago, the way the conventions are, you're pretty much part of the home team. 
Sure. And that sure. means you just kind of like support what the mayor does. You don't make a big issue about fighting the mayor. You stay out of Chicago politics. You pretend it doesn't exist. You're not uh, you your mailing address, your legal address may be Chicago, but your heart is in not in Chicago. You got out of that struggle because it's too contentious. And most likely, if you go with the left, you're going to lose. So but so for Jan Schakowsky to support the lefty guy running. To me, that's pretty significant endorsement for Brandon Johnson. Because I just can't recall the last time a congressperson, I'm doing this from memory, got behind a lefty running for mayor in the city of Chicago. So I was like, okay, Brandon, well done. Mm. And uh, yeah. And so immediately the trash talking from the other side, oh, big deal. Nobody's going to vote. <laughs> Nobody's going to vote for Brandon because Jan Schakowsky for him and the trash talking. Oh, your endorsements matter. But when Brandon gets one, it doesn't matter, huh? That was that was that was good for Brandon. Uh, I think that he got the Jan Schakowsky endorsement. Uh, and, uh, you know, left out there, of course, J.B. Pritzker. Is he going to endorse anyone? Don't think so. Lori Lightfoot. Uh, is she going to endorse someone? Hmm. She can't, I can't imagine her. She hates the teachers union so much. Can't see her endorsing Brandon. And she, she would look really bad jumping into bed with that MAGA crowd uh, that's endorsing Ballas. So I think she'll stay out. Do you We're think all, she'll privately vote? Whoa, that is a good question. Will she vote? I mean, I really, that, that, that's a great question. And, 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 and let's think about this. So the only reason to vote in the April 4th special election is the mayor's race. Or if you live in a ward where there's an automatic runoff, and I believe Lori Lightfoot lives in the 35th ward, which is Carlos Ramirez Rosa's ward, there's no runoff. So the only reason she would have the vote would be to vote for mayor. I can't imagine her voting for Brandon Johnson. Hmm. I mean, the, just the amount of, just the amount of animus she has projected against the teachers union from day one is so strong and so intense. And she probably views Brandon as the person who took the spot that she should be in. Hmm. Uh, so that would leave her with the option of Paul Vallis, who is so trans who's joined forces with his transphobic anti-abortion uh, MAGA crowd, uh, get critical race theory out of the school's MAGA crowd, the Ron DeSantis crowd, I just can't imagine her voting for Paul Vallis. So, but then it would look so bad if she didn't vote, right? So I don't know. So many people have, I mean, you went through his endorsements and it's clear so many people have made peace with, you know, with his alignment with the MAGA crowd. So it's like, why not add another person to the list? <laughs> that would be really. I mean, Jesse White made peace with it, right? Oh, yeah. They act like it doesn't exist. Like in the debate, uh, in the debate on Wednesday, uh, Brandon Johnson punched him hard on the issue of abortion. And Brandon Johnson uh, said, you're on the uh, record uh, for being opposed to a woman's right to choose. Uh, and then Paul Vallis immediately said, that's not true. That's a falsehood. He didn't say it like that or say falsehood, but I kind of wish he had. Uh, and um, and then Brandon Johnson's now running a commercial where they show Paul Vallis saying, I'm personally opposed to abortion. I'm personally opposed to abortion. So what they're trying to play that as is like, well, I am personally against abortions, but I oh, believe women's right to choose, which, which. <laughs> God, I, you know, that's like, uh, personally, I'm against, I wouldn't have an abortion. No, you wouldn't have an abortion because you're a man. Right. You right. Never... By the way, you, have you seen a Chris Rock special yet? Not yet. Oh my God, he's got this riff on abortion. Uh, I just, he talks about it. I mean, you got to see it. Uh, I don't want to give any away, but he has a, a really powerful riff on abortion. So, um, you know, that kind of reminds me of the, the Tom Tony endorsement. I know you have some thoughts about that. Oh, Alderman yeah, Tom yeah. Tony, the first openly gay alderman in the city of Chicago, uh, did an endorsement uh, outside the Senator Halstead for uh, Paul Vallis. Yeah, your Look. thoughts on that. I mean, I, I've I we talked about this last time I came on the show. It's just, man, these corporate white gays, you guys need to 
and as it's just like it's it's so embarrassing especially as a member of the lgbt community myself it's just like the corporate white gaze selling out it's just like selling out because money is the predominantly is like the most fierce part that is like the most important part of your identity like money your your socioeconomic status outweighs your your uh your um gender and your sexuality you know what i mean that that's carries more weight than you know the side of you that is uh that is gay or queer or whatever it's just you see i mean i don't know it's like you see it a lot it's like it's the it's the gays for trumps and the and the cowboy and the pink cowboy hats waving a flag and like a g-string like it's just like <laughs> this isn't unheard of stuff but it always sucks to see but then you know it Car carlos ramirez rosa said it best when he came on your show last i think last friday was that last friday maybe i think uh, something like that tuesday well, but whatever doesn't matter. last tuesday it's just like you know uh tom tunney is a businessman first and a gay man second and you know while he's on this earth He's got he's got the ability to fuck who he wants to fuck and also wants to get have as much money as possible while doing that. Doesn't matter if like when he's long gone, the rights to love. I should say love who he wants to love. That's way more tasteful. I always bring so much vulgarities to the show that I'm sorry, but it's just like. You know, while Tom Tunney's on this earth, he gets to love who he wants to love. And so he's going to prioritize making as much money as possible. Doesn't matter if, you know, his gay grandchildren or whoever get have their rights completely obliterated in the process because, you know, Tom Tunney gets into bed with politicians like Paul Vallis, who's just got you know, so, such clearly homophobic and transphobic ties, what with Awake Illinois and, you know, <clears throat> going on the Genie Ives show, et cetera, et cetera, everything we've talked about. But it's like, Tom Tony's getting to the money and that's what, that's what it's important. And you know what? I said it once, I'll say it again. The Jarofsky family did not eat at Ann Sather's. <laughs> we were not an Ann Sather's family. We didn't go to the one in Boys Town and we didn't go to the one in uh, Andersonville because of, I want to say because of his politics. And you know what? Those are not the best cinnamon rolls in Chicago. <laughs> Those are not the best cinnamon uh... rolls in Chicago. Famously, you know, I think maybe one or two times that we went there, we'd be sitting at the table and, be, and I, I, you know, just all four of us being like, I don't think these are the best cinnamon rolls in Chicago. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't think they're the best cinnamon rolls in Chicago. So that, that's my two cents on Tom Tunney. You know, I'm obviously endorsing Brandon Johnson, but I also obviously don't live here, don't live in Chicago. So it really doesn't matter, uh, I guess, what I have to say. Yes. Uh, by the way, Jim Clyburn, I can't forget him. Jim Clyburn, the uh, congressman out of South Carolina, also endorsed Brandon Johnson. So, hey, maybe Joe Biden's not far behind him. Uh, yeah, I love your riff on um, uh, the cinnamon rolls. And I just want to remind uh, tell people that uh, the notion uh, that Tom Tunney's endorsement means anything uh, in this race. Uh, listen, he can't even bring himself to say the word abortion in his endorsement. He cannot. It's reproductive care. So uh, he can't, he said, uh, Paul Vallis will stand up for your right for reproductive care. Come on, Tommy, say it. You can say it. Say abortion. Nope, not going to say it. So what Paul Vallis is standing up for my right to a pap smear. What does that mean? Look, uh, Tom Tunney is getting to the money. Everybody mad. And by everybody, <laughs> it's me and you and the le Chicago left. All right. Let's uh, switch to what's on your mind. You've uh, uh, you did a great riff on Instagram, which I urge everybody to check out. It's called the New York Times lady. Uh, it's one of your you named it that. <laughs> It's called like you named it that. <laughs> yeah, it's got the New York Times lady. See, folks, you should know that Rachel's been doing jokes uh, and imitations forever. Uh, and forever I've been begging her to do them. So the most famous one uh, within our little confine is goes back to some point. I have no idea. Maybe 2000. Uh, I may have been in the late 90s, a long time ago. Uh, she does a great imitation of Eminem from the movie Eight Mile. 
in his rap battle. And I would be like, again, driving in the car, please, please do Eminem, please. No, Dan, I am not a jukebox. You can't just make me. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I, I did. It was, it's very on my time when I was going to do it. I, yeah, I, like many um, uh, white 13-year-old uh, young men obsessed with uh, hip-hop culture, I memorized the, the final <laughs> rap from uh, 8 Mile. Um, where he like, I don't need to get into it, but this this is what you are talking about. Yeah, and he goes, I got a secret about you. Your name is Clarence. Uh, which yeah, Dad, actually, why don't you, this might be a good why don't what do you think the final rap from eight mile? Can you just perform the final rap from eight mile for us? I just did it. Do that's, a, that's give us give us something a little longer. Uh, I know a secret about you. Your name is Clarence and you have, no, you have parents and your name is Clarence and you come from a home and that's, I pretty much, ex and then Clarence, they cut to the guy who's cl the Clarence guy and he's like devastated. <laughs> they had a really bring, we, we can't be too subtle with this because we're going to lose some of our, you know, we're going to lose some viewers. So he has to be devastated by, oh my God, don't expose my secret. No. I'm middle class. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a, what we a digress. <laughs> uh, so anyway, New York Times lady, uh, the New York Times has taken an interest uh, in uh, Chicago politics. Always a joke when they do. Uh, you have a great riff about this uh, on Instagram where you play the New York Times lady, even though yes. you don't call her the New York Times lady. Uh, so take it away with your thoughts. Yeah, I guess I'm just like really tired of the way that the neoliberal elite at the New York Times covers Chicago. I find it incredibly. It's just like there's gun, there's killing and violence and crime and gunplay. And, and it's like, yeah, I mean, people, I, hey, I would love to see folks put down the guns in Chicago. I'd love to see folks put that in the guns in all the major cities. But I just find the coverage to be really condescending. Um, and like really out of touch with the culture of the city also. Uh, and, and this has been, you know, I, this has been on my mind because the New York times has been covering the Chicago mayoral runoff. Um, and just like in general and their take is, well, before I get into what their take is, I want to say that the New York times is obsessed with neoliberal democrats and moderate republicans finding common ground and camaraderie you know what i mean like they are so hell-bent on being the last institution like the last institution to still practice bipartisanship when really all of their pundits are just kind of giving middle ground like they're just kind of giving middle of the road like okay so what i'm what what's what's got me going is this opinions column slash conversation uh between Two columnists, Gail Collins, who dad, you do really like. And she could be very funny, you know, on national politics. Uh, and and then Brett Stevens, who was this moderate Republican that they're just, ups. I mean, the New York Times is obsessed with moderate Republican. It's it's very, see, see, they, he hates Trump too. You know what I mean? Like, they're so obsessed with their, like, good Republicans. But anyways, so... Gail Collins and Brett Stevens did this like opinions piece, which was like the lamest attempt at some sort of like odd couple quirkiness that I've read in a while. It's like, look, this moderate Republican and this Democrat got together and see what happens. Like that's like the whole sort of take and no one's saying anything substantial. And they're talking briefly about, you know, the Chicago mayoral runoff. And it's just, you know, Brett Stevens is it's it's Brett Stevens is kind of just saying basically nothing with deep authority. This, you know, the story of white men in America. He calls Paul Vallis a centrist Democrat. Gail Collins doesn't correct him. Basically, Gail Collins just lets uh, 
Brett Stevens like drag Brandon um, and 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 just kind of say say that you know Chicago it would be Chicago in Chicagoans best interest for them to choose Paul Vallis you know at the, go with the centrist Democrat uh, in in this April runoff and it's just like first of all there's no mention of Paul Vallis actually being a Republican there's no mention of his you know right wing bona fides his ties to Awake Illinois his his uh, his transphobic and homophobic trans transgressions his you know in, in terms of association who he's associating with there's no talk of him defunding public schools and gail collins doesn't come to the aid of brandon at all it's just sort of like yeah uh you know paul vallis should be chosen for mayor next question and it's just like i don't know i feel like that is that happens all the times we're like People come for lefties, the AOCs, uh, you know, the Rashida Tlaibs, uh, the Ilhan Omars, and like your your like middle of the road Democrats just let them get dragged. While meanwhile, the Republicans are defending truly each and every one of their crazies. <laughs> that nutty, that nutty Nazi in the wheelchair, whoever Crawford, whoever the fuck that psycho Gen Z Congress guy was, out of North Carolina, I yes. can't remember. North Carolina, very good. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so it's just like this column was sort of just like a microcosm for that, and it's you know I just it 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 really it's just so it's very easy and convenient for the Gail Collins of the world and the Brett Stevens of the world to find common ground because one socioeconomically they're like likely at the same level, and two they're racially aligned as well. So it's like. New York Times, y'all aren't doing anything special. Can you please just do something of substance about Chicago? All right. That's great, Riff. Um, so I'm going to throw a challenge to you, a question to you. Because uh, this man that, loves Gail Collins. Yeah. <laughs> almost as much as he loves Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> so I am kind of defending Gail Collins here. So Gail Collins just... Uh, <laughs> First of all, it goes deep. My late mother, uh, Rachel's late grandmother, loved Gail Collins. Uh, and there was <laughs> there was a phase of existence for my mother before my mother at the end kind of lost it a little bit, to put it mildly. And so so we have to go back like 12 years and which she was an active reader of The New York Times back in the early O's, etc. And so she would read a Gail Collins column. And Gail Collins is the quintessential liberal columnist for the New York Times. She's just a, a liberal columnist sure. who champions a woman's right to choose uh, and doesn't deviate on that issue and champions Nancy Pelosi, et cetera, and so forth. And and my uh, mother was right there with her. Right. Uh, and, uh, so Gail Collins, I, I can't, it was so, it's happened so many times, I can't think of a specific column. And we're talking about stuff that happened uh, 16 years ago, whatever. So the phone would ring, it would be my mom, and it'd be like, did you read Gail Collins? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd go, yeah, ma, because I knew, I knew it was Gail Collins Day. I knew when Gail Collins, I think for a while, her she was Tuesday and Saturday. So I'm like, I know Gail Collins Day. I'm going to make sure I read Gail Collins, be ready for mom's call. Did you read Gail Collins today? I go, yeah. <laughs> I read her, y'all. She is so good. She's just so good. And I'm so, you know, I got that connection to Gail Collins. I see Gail Collins. I think of my mom and how much joy and just like in charge my mom got out of Gail Collins. So I'm always going to be pro Gail Collins for that reason. All right. I can't help myself. Um, sure. sure. Having said that, come on, Gail Collins. <laughs> Right. I mean, so here they are. They're discussing Chicago, the Chicago mayoral election. They, this is this. I agree. It's as lame as hell. Uh, this discourse they have or conservative and, and, and liberal are going to be civil. And basically what happens in every time you have this, the, the conservative speaks like his or her most inner thoughts. Like he doesn't hold back at all. He's ultimately he'll. I'm a conservative and I believe it. And the liberal is always trying to play to the middle road. Mm -hmm. And the liberal will be like, 
even though they're liberal, they'll be like, well, you know, the left says this, yes. but the right yeah. says that. And I'm going to try to man, give me some Arica, a red meat lefty up there. Fight back a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Right? It, that's what I'm saying. And it's also like the middle of the road liberals rely on the lefties to fight back against moderate Republicans or worse. Well, no, I would say that like liberal, it, it's very easy for liberal Republicans to hate MAGA. You know what I mean? It's very easy for Gail Collins to hate MAGA. It's harder for Gail Collins to hate like a, who's like, give me a good, like, uh, uh, what's, what's her name? Come on. Who, uh, ultimately voted for all of Trump's Supreme court. Diane Feinstein. Uh, no. Oh, Susan Diane, Collins. Susan Collins. Okay, Susan yeah. Collins. It's harder for like a, a Gail Collins to like come for a Susan Collins type. Oh, well, yes. they have the same last name. Um, and so then, you know, the Gail Collins will look to like a lefty to do, to do that heavy lifting, you know what I mean? To really like go off there. Yes. By the way, they have the same name. I love that. Whoa. And also, you know what this, this made me think of a story, dad, is that like there was, I won't name any names, but our family obviously goes to the same vacation spot every year in Michigan. And you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and tell the story. There's, there's some people at the spot. There's a one, it's the same. You go to the same vacation spot, you see the same people year after year. uh, And it kind of gives the facade that you really know these people and these people really know you when it's really like, well, I only see you for a week out of, out of a year for like 12 years of my life. So I don't really know you and you don't really know me, but we're acting real familiar. So anyways, bearing that in mind, dad, you know, there's a particularly annoying group of vacationers that includes all right wingers and one, I would say, Dem, one Dem. And at one point, uh, (laughs) unfortunate for you, dad, you were on a hike and you come across this, this group of the four right wingers and the one Dem to your, to your great dismay. And the one Dem is like arguing politics with the right wingers and you pull up And she turns to you and she goes, can you actually kind of talk some sense into them? And it's like, and you're like, don't make me do it, lady. (laughs) You're the one who's out here breaking bread. You're the one who's supposed to be doing the heavy lifting. Like it's so don't make literally get an ounce of conviction, an ounce of passion about those who have less than you know what i mean find it find it in you but like don't make me do it the the (laughs) The lowly lefty journalist no offense i don't actually think you're lowly uh no it's fine uh and uh pretty yeah the leftiest guy around so all right i hear you so that's that's absolutely a dynamic uh that is at play do you also think that there is a male female dynamic at play where men feel free okay so brett stevens is back up brett stevens and gail collins clearly know nothing about chicago politics other than what they may read in the new york times uh in that uh, exchange brett stevens a right winger was just literally quoting talking points from the paul vallis campaign Right, trash. He has no insight whatsoever. It's just taking whatever the the uh, the Paul Vallis campaign puts out and just putting it out there as though it's fact. Uh, Gail Collins did not engage him on that and just changed the subject, allowing him to sort of get away with his comments. And my initial, maybe too nice to Gail Collins, I admit, uh, thought was. He's being a man who asserts an opinion, even though there's he has no expertise whatsoever, but he feels uh, that he has the freedom uh, to express an opinion, even if he knows nothing about the subject, whereas she is going to hold back expressing opinion because she doesn't know anything about the subject and she's not going to take that latitude. So it's like entitlement, male entitlement versus uh female uh what's the word restraint do you think i'm being uh too fair to gail collins when i say that 
No, I think that neither one of them knew that <laughs> knew much. And so the easiest way to make it look like they had anything substantial to say was to fall into these uh, patriarchal sort of roles in which um, a woman just like uh, allows some guy to mansplain. You know, sometimes mansplaining can be a relaxing experience. You know, the <laughs> amount of times that I've been mansplained to and it just is perfect and right, a perfect occasion for me to just disassociate and sort of relax off into the universe. I can't lie. You know, it's it's very when you're when you're faced with a good mansplain, it's 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 perfect conditions for disassociation. So, yeah, I think it, it makes sense that they kind of fell on these, um, you know, played gender roles to try to make it appear like they were making any sort of interesting point about uh, what's going on in Chicago right now. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, before I move on to the next topic at your comedy show, uh, that you'll be doing the other Rachel, the great Rachel P. And Karen uh, Chi. And Karen Chi. Uh, and uh, I think all three of you will be on the show to promote that sometime next week. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, will you be doing New York Times, lady? Uh Maybe. Maybe it's something. Actually, that's a great idea to work it in. It's a great idea to work it in. It'll be a Chicago audience. Uh, so maybe something that can be considered. Something to be considered. Potential. That's a, that's a potential for me. Ah, she throws a bone at the old man. All right, maybe. And uh, you know, yeah, but you you know what? I'm gonna need it for everyone wondering: Will she be doing New York Times, lady? There's only one way to find out, and that's by getting tickets to my show on Saturday, March 18th at 8 p.m. at the Color Club. Pull up. I need all my Ben heads in the house. Feel me? <laughs> go to my Instagram at RayJ3K. Hit the link in the bio and go ahead and cop those ticks, okay? Because they're going fast. Run, don't walk. Run, don't walk. Uh, all right. Very good. Well done. All right. Uh, so I'm going to um, move on to this next topic uh, that I just have to sort of smile about. Uh, and, um, it really is getting into the weeds of Chicago. And I know there's a lot of listeners out here, uh, when Rachel comes on, a lot of people who are from Chicago. Uh, so Chicago, one of the great glorious things about the city of Chicago, uh, is it's like front. Uh, it's one of the redeeming factors of the city of Chicago. Uh, and one of the really great things about the city of Chicago that makes it worth living here, uh, is it's summer, summer in Chicago is a great moment. I think every Chicagoan recognizes that. Actually, the last few springs have been pretty nice going into the fall. Winter is abysmal. Uh, and uh, But there's something about summer in Chicago. The people pour out. It's, mm -hmm. You've been locked in your house from Christmas to May. It, it Maybe it's just you got to get loose. And then it's all of a sudden nice. And you go down to that lakefront. And I've been doing this for so many years. I love the lake. Rachel knows that. It's my, mm -hmm. my place to go. And I'm not alone, obviously. Uh, and so one of the great institutions, one of the great things about summer in Chicago is uh, Taste of Chicago. That, I that right there, a big celebration. The other thing about Chicago, we got food. So Taste of Chicago, every summer, there's a tent set up at Grand Park right there on the lakefront in downtown chicago and you get to go to different different restaurants have uh their booths there and they, you, you know you pay your money money up front get all this delicious food for some reason and i will never understand this mayor Lori light th thought it was a good idea to cut a deal with nascar the racing company at nascar uh we've talked a lot about this in the show and essentially set aside that portion of the lakefront uh, for a good chunk of time in late June and July for a NASCAR race. The race itself won't take all that time, but they need the area to set it up and then take it down. As a result, they're moving Taste of Chicago. Mm. Uh, they're moving it to uh, the park right in front of uh, Navy Pier. Uh, and it is clear that they're overwhelming. <laughs> they're overwhelming everybody in Chicago by having NASCAR there at the same time they're having Taste of Chicago. I don't know how they're going to have the manpower, the police, uh, for both events, uh, just Lakeshore Drive itself will be just a traffic jam. It was such a dumb idea to bring NASCAR to Chicago. I, I and it's who knows how much money it's going to cost us. Now we're in this predicament. Lori Lightfoot 
is about to leave office. I maybe she thought that bringing NASCAR to Chicago would help get her elected with the business community support as the kind of mayor who gets things done. Guess what? The community that ditched her first was the business community. Mm. Downtown Chicago, they ran away from Lori Lightfoot. And I say this over and over again. I don't know why voters in the 42nd Ward, the 43rd Ward, those upscale downtown wards, the second ward, why they rejected Lori Lightfoot. She did nothing, absolutely nothing against their best interests. It was like they were personally offended by her for some reason. I will never understand it. I can know. I understand why lefties like me would be upset with Lori Lightfoot, but these aren't lefties. These are at best centrist Dems, more likely Mitt Romney Republicans trending MAGA. You're right. And so they, they rejected her age. She gave them NASCAR. <laughs> she thought I'll show the business community. I'll cut a deal with NASCAR. And they don't, they still rejected her. Now we're stuck with this NASCAR prime real estate in downtown Chicago in the summer. It's going to be set aside for NASCAR. And Chicagoans who love tasting Chicago, love going to uh, Grant Park, the softball games and all that. No, no, you got to go over to the Navy Pier. Logistical headache as it is, harder to get to uh, than Grant Park, that's for certain. And Rach, I'm just like, it's another example, in my humble opinion, of how Lori Lightfoot was her own worst enemy. Mm. There was no reason to bring NASCAR to Chicago. Absolutely none. Nobody wanted it. Nobody rewarded you for doing it. We're probably going to end up costing us money. There's a chance, fingers crossed, that the new mayor may be able to get out of that deal. I don't know. I don't know what documents were signed. It's all been a, pretty much a secret. So it's another example, Rach, of how Chicago just is like its own worst enemy. At least its mayors are its own worst enemy. Yeah, this sounds like her appeal to the Let's Go Brandon crowd. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And not Brandon Johnson. No, no. It's just like, wow, cutting a deal with NASCAR. Why is anyone cutting a deal with NASCAR? But like maybe the mayor of you know nashville but i don't it's it's so deeply random and and you know i love the taste of chicago uh i think who did i i think the last taste of chicago i was at was maybe 2010 but hey great memories so don't don't play the taste of chicago the taste of chicago is got too much does not need competition and shouldn't have it yeah i i'm trying to think you've been out of chicago for about that long so uh, that may have been the last one. I used to go to Lala all the time. Yes. Yes. No, it's, you're right. Summertime shy. It's like, you know, it's, it's such a, it, it's really a magical time where you like come out of your, you come out of your shell, your winter shell, and you're finally able to like enjoy the great outdoors that Chicago has to offer. So, I mean, I don't, I can't, I don't even know what a NASCAR event would look like. Where are the cars driving? They're literally driving the the, uh, the uh, track will be around Grant Park, uh, so they're 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 going to um, uh, block off all these streets that are around uh, Grant Park. Oh no, not around Grant. Just uh, uh, I'm doing this in my mind. Uh, just like uh, west of Grant Park, I could see it in my mind's eye, and they're uh, blocking them off for I forget how long. So it could turn into a NASCAR track, but it takes time to set up. So it, it was just like the dumbest idea. It was like the Olympics was a dumb idea. And Chicago gets aboard these ideas. But at least in NASCAR, no Olympics, everybody jumped aboard because it was Mayor Daly's idea. And everybody except for me jumped aboard and a few other, uh, you know, just malcontents on the left. <laughs> uh, but at least with NASCAR, uh, I mean, you. I could see Lori Lightfoot kind of aesthetically thriving at that event. You know what I mean? Like smoking a cigar, <laughs> wearing those like weird ass car racing sunglasses, you know, the truly wearing NASCAR sunglasses and like eating a pretzel, you know, like I could see her getting her life at that event. Um, but I guess we'll never we'll oh. never know.
We'll never know. All right. Uh, we're going to close with your thoughts on Tucker. Take it away. Yes. Tucker Carlson and his uh, his him getting the exclusive January 6th footage from uh, Kevin McCarthy. For those of you who aren't up to speed on this topic, essentially what went down back when Kevin McCarthy was struggling to get the votes he needed to become Speaker of the House, Tucker Carlson took to his platform on Fox and just listed two concessions that McCarthy could make in order to become in order to give the you know the far right what they what they want and get in the votes to become speaker one of those concessions included releasing all of the footage to the american people from the january 6th insurrection and what do you know McCarthy fully delivered in late february he handed Tucker Carlson exclusive access to the footage from the january 6th riot and what does Carlson do? He goes through and he essentially like cherry picks the footage to create a narrative that the insurrectionists were just peacefully protesting. Basically, he like created a compilation of the insurrectionists on break from insurrecting. You know what I mean? It's like they're grabbing their sips of water. They're tying their shoes. They're sitting down in Pelosi's speaker chair to check Twitter. You know, I don't like. I don't doubt, I don't doubt, like, let's be real, storming the Capitol is tough work, you know, and beating the shit out of Capitol Police is exhausting. I don't doubt that these nut jobs in their fur pelts and Viking helmets needed to take five, you know, I'm sure it, it wasn't all breaking windows and, and I don't know, bludgeoning Capitol Police, like I said, but I just think it's really crazy to act like this is the beginning and the end of it because we cannot ignore the way that the mob quite literally entered the Capitol, which was, they stormed it. They broke windows. They forced their way inside. Sure, the Proud Boys in the front made way for like, I don't know, the QAnon chillers in the back who stepped over some unconscious Capitol Police officer to take a selfie in Pelosi's chair. But they didn't amble in. They didn't like, knock, knock, it's us. Can we, is it okay to come in now? Like they bulldozed, they bulldozed. And honestly, dad, it is just like peak peak Tucker Carlson to be like the media cherry picked footage from January 6th then I should know because I'm doing it right now you know what I mean like motherfucker takes one and one yeah it's that's cool. how I feel uh I uh I feel your pain it's it's projection uh yeah I'm cherry picking so I'm gonna accuse you of cherry picking and hope that my listeners will go yeah they cherry picked that right. we didn't see what we saw we didn't see like the guys literally climbing the walls you know what i mean they took the guys remember that i couldn't even understand that one by the way i remember watching the january 6th insurrection uh I'm like why are you guys climbing the walls there's the stairs that'll get you the exact same yeah. spot <laughs> <laughs> I, you know you just take the stairs uh you're I don't know, but they felt so compelled to break through that they had to climb the walls. And yeah. Spider-Man. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's a curious yeah. this. Uh, this is a, a curious take by uh, Tucker Carlson uh, and uh, the Republican Party. Rach, if I could go on this riff. And this is where Gail Collins and us really connect. You know, Gail Collins is on the right side of history with exactly this type of stuff. Continue. Okay, but I don't know if she'll stand up to Brett Stevens on this. You know, I don't know. But, but we'll not go back there, but she is on the right side. She's absolutely on the right side. Yes. And you know, I got that soft spot for G Gail Collins, okay? Although it is interesting. Gail Collins has the same last name as Susan Collins. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, man. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, Republican Party has really got a, a situation here because it's clear that uh, like it's it's the message is filtered down. I've seen this in so many articles about the state of the Republican Party that even the some of Trump's most ferocious supporters have concluded that he's unelectable. And it's fairly interesting. It's a challenge because they never conceded that he lost in the first place. OK, mm -hmm. so it's like a contradiction within uh, a, a contradiction. Follow me, this, ladies and gentlemen. They never conceded that he lost in the first place. They conceded in the, they, their view of it is that the election was stolen from them. And they uh, many of them refuse uh, to vote just to rubber stamp the election, the electoral uh, representatives back in January 6th. 
approving of uh, Joe Biden. So they just never could. They're passing laws to make it harder uh, for Democrats to vote and with the idea that they get rid of the uh, alleged uh, cheating that never actually took place. So they ever never conceded that at the same point uh, they're saying he can't win. So they they won't concede that he lost, but they will concede that he can't win, which is in its own self uh, acknowledgement that, he yes, he actually lost, even though they won't concede it. Right. So right. they have to live this contradiction, which, by the way, to quote the great Sam Holloway, the great firefighter Sam Holloway, fascists don't care about hypocrisy and contradictions, Ben. Got it. When are you going to learn that? They don't sure. care about lying. But still, it is kind of impressive that they walk around with this contradiction. It kind of reminds me of Paul Vallis saying, I am a lifelong Democrat, except for the time of my life when I wasn't a Democrat. Sure. Uh, which, uh, anyway, okay. So they're walking around with this inherent contradiction uh, in their minds that they got to ditch Trump because he cannot possibly win, even though they will not acknowledge that he uh, uh, lost in the last election. And to do that, to move away from Trump, they have to move away from his batshit crazy assertions that uh, he actually won the election that he clearly lost uh, and that the January 6th insurrection was not an attempt by him to steal the mm -hmm. election that he lost. So here comes Tucker Carlson right on cue with his scoop, which even MAGA, if they're honest, must concede is such a fabrication even maga must concede that if you like get him alone in a room you know right just, come on maga just tell him yeah, i guess you're right but i'll never admit it uh even they must concede it's an insulting fabrication of what happened and selective editing of video to show like a quiet time in the midst of this riot uh even maga must concede that but he brings that back it's like they want to forget the January 6th insurrection. They want to forget all the lies that Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr., et cetera, et cetera, told. They, they want to, like, move that aside as they move ahead. They're like, well, okay, we're putting Trump behind. But here comes Tucky right on time with, Tucky. His, ex with his exclusive. Really bizarre. Like exclusive January 6th water break, insurrection yeah. water break. Which is, by the way, yeah, the water break. It's so wild. Like part of the demand that Tucker Carlson made is that they, uh, Kevin McCarthy, give him, him, him alone. I told you this before one of the show. I can't imagine ever doing something like that with any lefty. All right, Brandon Johnson, if you want uh, my endorsement for being mayor of the city of Chicago, you must give me exclusive rights. To all the yeah. documents that Lori Lightfoot's been hiding for all these years. Don't give them the damn Eolopoulos or McDumkey. Give them to me. Right. <laughs> I don't think that would ever happen in a million years. But, uh, yeah. Anyway. Wow. It's so wild. It's what a wild choice. I didn't realize that Tucker Carlson had, ex had said explicitly that you have to give them exclusively to me, but that's certainly what happened. Yeah, I didn't realize it either until you told me this. I forgot it. I've been so utterly obsessed with Chicago politics that I've been slacking off on obsessively following that. There's only so much room in this brain of mine, Rachel. I can only put so much stuff in it. And plus, you know, I got to put that Bulls stuff in there, the basketball. Always got to remain. My beloved Bulls uh, beat Denver the other night. Shout out Chicago Bulls. It's not over yet. All right, Rach, uh, we've come to the end of the show. One more time, tell folks about your show. Do one last bit of promotion. Yes, I am doing a show at the Color Club in Chicago. Um, and it's going to be Saturday, March 18th. Uh, teaming up with some really great comedians, Karen Chi of um, Late Night with Seth Meyers, Rachel Pegram of... Uh, of just so many shows on Netflix and uh, yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be doing some long sets and I I'm telling you, I need my Ben heads. I need my Ben heads out there. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to my Instagram right now at Ray J three K R A Y J A Y three K. You're going to click the link in my bio and you're going to go ahead and get your tickets because let's just say they're flying off the shelf. Okay. They're flying off the shelf. So run, don't walk, 
Get your tickets to Rachel Jarofsky, Rachel Pegram, Karen Chi in Chicago on Saturday, March 18th at the Color Club. Be there or be a Larry. Feel me? Be a Larry. Anyway, uh, okay. <laughs> All right, Ray Hold on. That was the sound of flying off the shelf. Uh, that's the sound of flying off the shelf. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Rachel. And uh, also thank uh, producer Chris doing an outstanding job uh, as he always does. And uh, speaking on behalf of Rachel, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. And remember, you can catch previous Ben Jarofsky shows, download Benny J bonus interviews, and get so much more great content at chicagoreader.com. And find more from The Ben Jarofsky Show all over the internet on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.